0: You
1: ever eat a pangolin?
0: No, what is that?
1: Oh, baby. Wait, I know what get that is. Pangolin.
0: Yeah. Wait, you it's... don't eat those? <laughs> really? Wait, is that where bat flu came from?
1: <laughs> well, bat flu came from bats, but yeah, yeah, it's like a it's a pang flu.
0: Pang that doesn't
1: sound flu. right. I don't like it. No, I, bat flu, I feel like bats really got thrown to the wayside there. Like nobody yeah. calls it bat flu anymore.
0: Bat, Yeah, Bat Lobby did a good job getting that out real quick. Oh, Big
1: Bat, absolutely. Here's the thing. I'd eat a bat. You would? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think so. The bats, I think, are unique in that. How do you cook a
0: bat? Oh, that's the whole thing. It's like a soup. It's a soup,
1: yeah. Well, I I will say, in the pictures I've seen of people eating bat soup, it appears they do just stick like a desiccated whole bat in like a a milky broth.
0: Why would you think to do that?
1: uh well i mean i, I guess so
0: they should just call it bat broth and then people bat in l.a yeah, would like yeah
1: absolutely yeah <laughs> like it's i mean i feel like people eat all kinds of shit you know what i mean like a corn dog what's a corn dog
0: well that's a hot dog with like a corn thing around it
1: exactly that's a weird thing you know if you were to describe that to the a one Martian. at disneyland is very good i'm a big fan of corn dogs over here i like uh the what whatever the the corn parts mate i guess corn um <laughs> I like that a lot. I used to eat a lot of corn. There are hush puppies. I oh guess, yeah, when I was younger. that's big corn. Thanks to big corn. Mm-hmm. I will say people complain so much about big agribusiness. Yeah. Everybody loves corn. I don't think everybody loves corn. What do also, you want to it's be? Eating? Really a bad for you. A bad? Who cares? That's all. That stuff's all fake. I've been watching a lot of like really long YouTube ads at the beginning <laughs> of videos. With a guy talking about his diet. And let me tell you, these guys have foods you never even would believe.
0: You know, I was YouTubing the other day. Mm-hmm. It's like the Wild West out there, man.
1: But were you, what does Liz watch on YouTube? <laughs> That's none of
0: your business.
1: I No, I think I would like to know. You can put it in the little chat thing here. I don't I, I do need not, to tell the listeners, no, but I would no, like no. to... Oh, Jake Paul. Huh? No. <laughs> Wait, who's that? Which one's uh, that?
0: I got. I let wait. Me is you. that the is that the Aryan Swedish one? No.
1: Well, no, wait. no. Oh no, that's uh, that's PewDiePie. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that no, that one's. I don't. I he don't even know. He sounds like he's
0: like a cartoon character with a coin purse.
1: Could you imagine like trying to get like a girl and be PewDiePie? I mean, I think he probably has no problem. But like, you go out and you're like, she's like, what do you do? You're like, oh, I make. Uh, my name's PewDiePie, and i, I make uh, I make videos for children. Do you
0: think when, when people who YouTube when they introduce themselves, do they say like I'm a YouTuber? I mean, I don't. I
1: when I mean I've said this on the show before, but like when I've introduced myself to people and they ask me what I do, I'm like I host a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't want to say I work in media or anything. I just oh like, God, it's, yeah, yeah, I do like a I, 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 cause I try to bring to mind like an image Is that what of what we
0: like, do. Do we work in media?
1: No, I, we, no, we're like, co- if you think about this, we're actually like co workers of Howard Stern, Baba Bowie. That's how I think of it. <laughs> like, if, if, like, if there was like a company party, I mean, company in the big sense, it would be like us and the girls from Call Her Daddy and mm. Howard Stern. Yeah, that's a horrifying party. I would love that part. One of the most depressing videos I've ever seen um, in my life was Howard Stern did a micro penis contest.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you've seen that? No, I've
0: never seen it, but people talk about it all the time.
1: It's an incredible video because it's like, not only like, okay, you got to be good with just being naked in Howard Stern's like recording studio, but the prize is like... What happens is you just, it's like a fucking, it, it's like a line and you stand in line and you get to the front of the line, Howard, Howard Stern's like, yeah, you got a really small penis. And then maybe they give you like a hundred dollars. What do you get, like an award? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they give you like a plaque or anything, but they give you some money and it's, but not a lot of money. it's Or so like, you know, they give you a really money.
0: tiny ribbon.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's just, it's so, I mean, I've told you my whole thing about. I, I don't need to go into my micro penis series, but like it's, it was just when I watched it, it was That's a special book I, deal. I, I, I think I can't know if I've said this on the show. I guarantee that I have, cause I feel like I've, I have to repeat myself constantly. But if that happened to me, I would just pretend I lost it in a war. Like in the sun also rises. Oh yeah. Because, you, you've yeah. said this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but these guys, it's like, I don't, I just, I can't, I mean, I guess I humiliate myself daily just every time I open my eyes, but I, uh, I just can't imagine like debasing yourself that much, but that's the power of Stern. People love Howard.
0: Yeah, he's got it. He's got it.
1: No one would kill for Joe Rogan, but people would absolutely kill for for Howard Stern. I Mm -hmm. believe that in my heart. And I would gladly and and immediately kill for the Call Her Daddy Girls. Welcome to our special episode. You know who we
0: need to get on this show? Who? Nassim
1: Taleb. I don't think he'd do it. No, he wouldn't. I, I feel like he just—he would think of me like a clown. Like, he, this, would.
0: he would think you were
1: a clown. There's no way Nassim would respect me.
0: He would probably refer to you as the clown.
1: I am the black swan, though.
0: <laughs> no, you're not. Also, no, it got he me in a lot not. of trouble when pictures
1: came out of me at that college pro- party. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, Nassim's a big get. I think, I think we could get... Has he ever been on Rogan?
0: Oh, that's. You know what I need? I need him on Rogan mm-hmm. with Rachel Dolezal.
1: Yeah, that'd be fantastic.
0: Oh my yeah, god, that, talk that, that about a simple. trifecta!
1: We can probably get Lindy Man, but uh, mm. um, I know it's like, <laughs> that's so, like so, so like, that's it's, like, even, like it's like bronze prize, you know. F-tier. Anyways. okay, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Radio Talk from Jordan. You hear that? <laughs> that's us rapping about the industry right there.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, little little window into our uh, pre-recording meetings that we always have regularly.
1: My name is the vampire. What? It's I'm kind of going for like a dark brace thing, but mm, I, I, okay. I'm brace.
0: <laughs> well, I'm Liz. Hello. Welcome. This is True Anon.
1: Of course, we are joined by a uh, hunky producer, Nassim Taleb, and his <laughs> assistant, Young Chomsky.
0: <laughs> um, And we are back talking about The Great Reset. So... One thing I want to say before we start, it is so funny, because Brace and I have been talking for a couple weeks now. You know, we've been trying to figure out when to do the Great Reset episodes, because we knew we had to kind of we wanted to talk about this stuff. And um, it's, you know, it's been all out there and and everything. But (laughs) like, the day we recorded, apparently, like, Mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson did an episode about it. So that's the zeitgeist, baby.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Laura Ingraham did too. Hers suck. I didn't watch the Tucker Carlson. I didn't one, watch either. Of them. Laura's was so I got stuff to do. in. Yeah. I. I don't have time for that shit. It's no. you know. But I also I did listen to a variety since we did ours. I listened to like uh, there's a bunch of Corbett Report ones on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you what. I, I found some good if you just add the word bio to something it makes it way scarier mm-hmm. biosecurity sca- scares the shit out of me as oh, opposed yeah, to absolutely. just regular security yeah. so I'm going to be using the word biosecurity a lot this episode <laughs> I also I will say we got some feedback and I'll tell you I ignore feedback religiously but we did get some feedback that our first episode was depressing and don't worry this second episode we go into the lighter side of the great reset white slavery <laughs> I, you know, I think it was
0: depressing.
1: Well, what? The, I mean, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> what am I supposed to do, man? We had the Grover thing in there. We, I know. What do you want I me? think that really fucked people up. The Grover what, thing. Or is that it might have been Elmo? I can't. Is it know, Elmo? A Muppet's a Muppet to me, man. I don't oh, see Oh,
0: my God. Are you kidding?
1: What did yes. you say?
0: A Muppet is a Muppet? No. Yes. No, these are all very distinct. Different creatures with you very You can't tell me the difference between Grover
1: and Elmo. You can't tell. They're just blue and red.
0: That's not true. They're very What's different. another
1: difference? You're, no, this is what's another difference.
0: Well, you can't do it. No one can. You're not letting me talk.
1: I'm buying you time.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Grover's way more mischievous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, He's I'm my, a little
0: troublemaker. He's got his schemes. He's,
1: you're kind of a Grover. I've always been told I'm more like... Um, can't remember any of their other names. (laughs) The Count. I am the Count. They call me the Count because
0: I love to count things. You're uh, you're a little Count. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I loved the Count.
1: I hated the Count. Not a numbers guy.
0: (laughs) One betty, 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 two betty, betty. We should have got him for COVID. He could have done a great PSA. Oh, my God. God,
1: he would have been fantastic. Yeah, it's well, it's cannibalism for him, so it's like you know, it's a human rights issue or vampire. Oh my god. Anyway, hello, sorry. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome to We already did that. Oh shit. well, I was gonna say the name of the episode, which I can't remember. I think it's Down and Dirty in Davos or (laughs) To Live and Die in Davos part two.
0: Oh my god.
1: Uh what do we what do we pop it off? No,
0: we were just saying that people said it was depressing.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this one's not, I swear to God. No, this one's not. No, but I
0: just want to say that like um sorry about that i feel like that's not usually our beat or that didn't used to be our beat and we gotta like perk up a little bit
1: yeah maybe i'm talking so,
0: mostly about myself
1: i'll be honest with you everything we're gonna talk about today is something that i not only improve, approve of but i've heavily invested in <laughs> so i'm telling you when we get to digital currency i'm telling you buy digital currency no when we get God. to when we get to bug food buy the bug food <laughs> <laughs> when we get to the Impossible Whopper, I'll tell you my closet right now full of thousands of Impossible Whoppers that I hand out to twelve-year-olds.
0: Oh my god! Well,
1: I and not Did you see McPlant Junction? Did we Who? talk
0: about this? McPlant?
1: No, That's...
0: no, I missed that. Total. I, it's like the wrapper burger.
1: This? I missed too. All yeah, no. Yeah.
0: McDonald's launched their veggie burger, which is like a partnership with Beyond Burger, and they named uh-huh. it McPlant.
1: Awful name. Awful Or maybe it's
0: not a partnership with Beyond Burger. Beyond Burger stock tanked right after the announcement of McPlant.
1: Oof. Yeah. They need to. It's, you know, it's too bad my people are forbidden by law from working in fast food anymore. I think
0: McPlant is a psyop by the the meat industry. The meat industry, big beef. Yeah. You call it something so stupid and dorky so people don't buy it.
1: I would never order McPlant.
0: That's the fucking big brains of big beef. You know what I'm saying? Mm
1: -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we are talking about a big piece of shit to start (laughs) off with today. Klaus. Um, Yeah, listen, I'm not going to talk about the German stuff. Apparently, Germans don't like that. And you know what? That's fine with me. I'm very sorry. Did you hear
0: from some Germans?
1: Yeah, yeah. They left me a bunch of voicemails that went, And I was like, Oh, baby. Okay. You know? Woohoo. Um, no, 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 but I, you know, I feel guilty every time I, uh, I, uh you know, my ethnic anger comes mm. up, but, uh, it's, it's, so Klaus Schwab, I tell you, you know, he, I, I gave you the run through, he's from Germany, but I, I really want to sort of pinpoint this guy as sort of the Kautsky of capitalism, and now this is a Patreon <laughs> episode, so I don't have to worry about any, uh, normal people hearing that, um, in, in, in that he, like, he is a-, a
0: shareholder capitalism.
1: Yeah, shareholder, well, yeah, shareholder capitalism, but like what he is, he's he's sort of like a guy who, you know, is sort of appalled at the excesses of of what's called stakeholder capitalism. Mm. And he wants to, well, he says he made up something called shareholder capitalism. He did not, but I really respect anybody who just pretends to have made something up that already existed. Mm, Yeah. and, and And so he's written several books to that effect. Uh, and it's sort of been like his mantra since since the 70s, in fact. And And I think like, Shareholder capitalism, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear like any of the shit coming out of Davos, when they start talking about any social responsibility stuff, I kind of tune it out, right? Mm. Like, because I feel like my whole life we've always heard about like, you know, the social responsibility coming from companies and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, what does that end up with? Maybe they start, you know, a Ronald McDonald house or like... You know, uh they stop uh, you know, doing death squads for a couple of months a year or whatever. Mm. But uh but but I think it is really worth paying attention to to Schwab's uh stakeholder capitalism sort of uh scheme, I wanna call it, because that's all it really is. The whole thing's a fucking scheme. Yeah. Um were you? Did you know about stakeholder capitalism? I did not. I don't pay any attention. I to
0: had. I mean, I had heard it thrown around a lot, and I had assumed I didn't know that it was um, that it that it kind of like stood in opposition to what is known as shareholder capitalism, which was pioneered by Milton Friedman, kind of mm-hmm. in the seventies. It's like kind of redirecting businesses toward um, single like profits on behalf of their shareholders, right? And so it was yeah. like giving businesses a very like um kind of singular purpose mm-hmm. this is all man- i mean this is all like business management shit yeah. as opposed to kind of like economic theory i kind of want to make that distinct like this it's not like um this isn't something where you know it'd be like if you want to know the brains of your enemy read klaus schwab's books it's like yeah. no do not there's it's like a fucking there's waste no of time there's no reason for you to do there yeah. i've read two of them they're awful it's stupid this is the kind of shit that they throw at like management grads in business school mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with like um shareholder capitalism it's all just like management strategies so it's like internal to business kind of culture but i don't think that's exactly what klaus is doing or, or Davos is attempting to do with this this iteration?
1: No, so I, I actually, yeah, I had no idea what share what 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 shareholder capitalism was either. I guess they also sometimes call it MSV, maximize shareholder mm-hmm, yeah. value, which I kind of like. I like anything that could be cut down into three letters. Uh, that so I, I you know as as a long time listener to the show will know. I'm not, uh, the economy guy, uh, you know, it's the, a lot of this stuff I kind of just like try not to get into the details with, because I know it's all pretty bad, and to be frank, when I read it, I don't understand it, but I do understand what maximize shareholder value means. It means is make as much fucking money as possible for your shareholders, uh, but that like, OK, you might say, all right, stakeholder capitalism is sort of against that or not against that, but like stakes itself out in opposition to that. Not so entirely sure of that it, it stems from this book called The Modern Corporation and Private Property by these guys. And check out these fucking names. Adolf Burl, You can tell it's written in the 30s or early 30s. And, uh, and this is my most, like, 1930s American-ass name that there is. Gardener Means. I feel like every... This guy wasn't in the State <laughs> Department. But whenever, like, I feel like I read... Like, you read The Devil's Chessboard or anything like that. You read about guys in the State Department from, like, the early... Or the mid to early 20th century. They're all named shit, like, Gardener, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. like, Mr. Hose or whatever. It's like... they just... These names Total. I mean, Adolf, obviously, went out of favor yeah, for yeah, a variety you of reasons. Yeah. Thanks again to our German listeners. But... Uh Gar- name Gardner, I feel like I don't even you know I it's, I it's you not know, even you know got, that was a first name. I mean they should bring that back in like the whole Brooklyn theme name.
0: Yeah, they can that. add like an an extra I E Y T H to it somehow and then mm-hmm. and then maybe some Americans will start. Or just Gardner. <laughs>
1: Means is such a funny last name for like a business guy. Yeah, have. yeah, yeah. It's kinda cute. Uh-huh. He, uh, so it's, I, I'm just like, what, what country is that from? But anyways, uh, it's essentially, that book is like a call to arms for shareholders to actually exercise control over the companies into which they're invested. And of course, at this time, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, still is, a lot of small shareholders in these companies. But what they're basically saying is people centralize their wealth by means of investments in these large companies, but the wealth isn't actually under their control. It's under the control of the people who actually, you know, have the controlling shares in these companies and the people who run those companies themselves. Uh, they claim that, that companies, and this is the central, as far as I can tell, thesis of the book, is that companies are no longer private, but they're social institutions. And that theme echoes in a lot of Schwab's fucking work. So in 2020, Davos released a manifesto, and I'll tell you what, there have been a lot of manifestos released in in the 20th and 21st century. In fact, the 19th century as well. Some good. Famously. Some bad, yes. You know, I, who can say manifestos are themselves neutral, but there can be, you know, positive and negative manifestos. I would say this is a negative manifesto. Um, Liz, do you want to read the point A of this, yeah, uh, yeah, this yeah. manifesto? I feel like you have the more sonorous voice for these uh, lyrical words.
0: Yeah. The purpose of a company is to engage all its stakeholders in shared and sustained value creation. In creating such value, a company serves not only its shareholders, but all its stakeholders employees, customers, suppliers, local communities, and society at large. The best way to understand and harmonize the divergent interests of all stakeholders is through a shared commitment to policies and decisions that strengthen. Strengthen the long-term prosperity of a company.
1: So, what are we seeing here? Because, so, I, I guess we got to make the distinction between shareholders, as in people who are actually mm. invested in making money in a real way from this company, and stakeholders, yeah. which are the wage cucks, and also, I guess, people who live near them?
0: Okay, so, yeah. So, shareholders would be literally anyone who owns a share in a company, right? Mm. Quite literally. Um, so that would be yeah that's very different from what they're kind of trying to define as stakeholders which um they're basically trying to it, it's sort of like they're um they're doing both at once they're they're redefining the company as mm-hmm. they're redefining stakeholders in that company do you see yeah. what i mean so they're saying that stakeholders of the company are not just shareholders or management or employees or workers or ceos but also um like greater society at large whether that's in kind of institutions um that we'll get into like when what you would traditionally call like civil society or you know public institutions um kind of like civic bodies the demos what we think think of as the people so Mm -hmm. it's like basically as it's saying that those are people that are the company is responsible to, it's redefining what the comp- what a corporation is, right, because that's not necessarily who like you would think a business has any responsibility to, right It's a business
1: yeah, so, what's so, good for General Motors is good for the country
0: so yeah, so it's kind of like doing both at once, and i I, I mean I want to make that clear because it's really expanding um its own i th- i would say it's expanding its own reach as it's kind of re you know redefining these principles
1: yeah that's that's kind of what like the, the 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 term social institution you know i'm not a big theorist guy maybe this 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 word is thrown around all the time but like that's what this really brings to mind for me is, is that, that uh, from, from, from the book I mentioned before, Social Institutions, because that's sort of what it seeks to redefine a company as. Because as far as I can remember, a company's purpose is to make money for the people invested in that company. Uh, and this seems like the company's purpose is to not only do that, but to also be a social good.
0: Well, yeah. S- I mean, a firm's s- purpose is to seek profit.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. At bottom. Yeah. So we got point B too, which I think actually elaborates the point a little more too, or elaborates okay. the topic. Let
0: me more. use my like, um, like management school voice, mm-hmm. computer management school voice. <clears throat> A company is more than an economic unit generating wealth. It fulfills human and societal aspirations as part of the broader social system. Performance must be measured not only on the return to shareholders, but also on how it achieves its environmental, social, and good governance objectives. Executive remuneration should reflect stakeholder responsibility.
1: Okay. So... We're seeing here basically underlying what we were saying before. It's that the company, the, the measurement of success is not whether it, it just makes money for the people who invest in it, but whether it, it provides a social good and whether, you know, it's environmental policies, it's social policies mm. and it's good governance objectives, which don't get me fucking started on that. But it's uh, this really, I think, was driven home by the Greta. Uh, what they call the Greta effect
0: yes actually and there is like a part c that i want to read here because this gets even this is even more directly related to the Greta effect which by the way when we say Greta effect that's Klaus's words but Mm. i agree with him that there is a thing called Greta effect
1: (laughs) absolutely yeah
0: (laughs) so let me read part c A company that has a multinational scope of activities not only serves all the stakeholders who are directly engaged, but acts itself as a stakeholder, together with governments and civil society, of our global future, Corporate global citizenship requires a company to harness its core competencies, its entrepreneurship skills, and relevant resources and collaborative efforts with other companies and stakeholders to improve the state of the world.
1: So he's basically describing a new world order, but like with, I guess, <laughs> Twitter or something? I don't know what these companies are. So,
0: I mean, I, you know, to be honest, like, I think this is all... Um I mean, I keep saying management speak because I do think so much of this is the kind of bullshit that you would read in, like, management schools, right? Well,
1: Schwab's whole thing, though, was, like, he originally started the Davos or W-E-F to bring American management practices over to Europe. So, yeah, I mean, that's not surprising absolutely. at all.
0: So, I mean, this is all – yeah, it's almost – it's a gloss on, like, things that have already been happening, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And, like – when we, I think in the last episode, you know, we were kind of trying, I mean, I know we were kind of all over the place, but I, we were trying to get at the the fact that, like, I think that the right really, again, we I didn't watch Carlson's thing, but, like, you know, I think the right really portrays this as, like, you know, there's this, uh, you know, tiny group of conspiracy, they're going to flip a switch, and the whole world is going to change,
1: you're mm-hmm. going to be,
0: you know, bug mulch, which, that might happen, we'll get into that, but, um, you know this is really just kind of a new branding and a new gloss on um like neoliberal capital practices that that um you know we've been welcoming and and have been growing for you know the past couple decades you know i, I mean i think that people whether they know it or not have been demanding companies have more social responsibility and, like, so companies are responding in kind. Like, there's a push-pull here that I wish – I mean, I kind of wrote about this in that, like, Baffler piece I wrote a long time ago that, like, when people lose – um, com- like, when the state has failed people so completely, they turn to these institutions that are rising, mm-hmm. which are fucking Amazon and Google and Facebook, and look at what all these things they're providing. And people suddenly – it's like, are, you know, their brains have been – um not reprogrammed, but because that sounds like, you know, but it is kind of a reprogramming where it makes sense to demand, like social good and social change and social services from companies. Yeah. And so this is just them responding in kind, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I, I think a lot of this push towards stakeholder capitalism, I mean, Schwab has been, you know, flogging this sort of idea for quite a while. But I think like, the the actual turn from companies, I mean, we'll get to the business roundtable thing in a second, but like from companies to turn to this 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 sort of uh, I don't know what you would call it idea, uh, really stems from a lot of the same milieu that like a lot of the left wing stuff you see stem from. I mean, the whole occupy movement and like you know everything prior and post that, I think kind of really dovetails dovetails with this in like a a very um, synergistic to use corporate mm. speak. Way in that like companies you know, are, and you'll see this in all articles about uh, about stakeholder capitalism is is that they they acknowledge that companies you know may have gotten a little too big for their britches. They may have you know CEO pay might be a little bit too high, and like you know maybe the social good that they've been doing maybe they've been they've been lax on that front. I mean, and, and you know you really see this with this just outpouring of political and semi political. Well, it's all political uh you know ideation coming from 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 companies in this past not only this year i think it's been really you know glaring this year especially with a lot of blm stuff but like it, it, you know in in the past decade essentially you've seen these companies get more overtly politicized i mean of course you know do not get me wrong at all points in the history of business business has been political but, but in this sense, like taking these sort of like socially responsible and progressive or sometimes on the flip of that, but really engaging the same idea, uh, you know, maybe you have the Chick-fil-A type companies and the mypellow mm. type companies, although those are much, you know, rarer, I guess. Yeah. Much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, you see like the, the you know, Black Lives Matter, uh, McDonald's stuff and you're like, oh, well, this is pretty weird, but like, it's all kind of part of this same thrust. Right. Mm. And 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 I think like, you know, t- to return to the Greta effect thing real quick, I, you know, Greta was brought to the World Economic Forum by WEF members. Like, yeah. I think it's presented as if Greta was sort of like smuggled in by some you know radical environmentalist and jumped on a stage and grabbed the mic (laughs) kanye west style at davos can you imagine Mm yeah (laughs) the most secure location
0: with the richest fucking people and some like fucking like i don't know like (laughs) like PETA supporter gets in there to throw blood on it's like that's not gonna happen
1: I mean, Liz. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever played any uh, online video games, but in, in first-person shooter games, if you stray outside of the area of battle, oftentimes you will die within three seconds. Mm. And I think that there's a sort of a reverse effect on that in Davos, where there, if you're a normal person, you go to Davos, your body just breaks down and disappears yeah. within three seconds.
0: It's actually, I think it was like the eighth circle in Dante's
1: <laughs> yes. Inferno was Davos uh also yeah also a great online shooting video game uh yeah. <laughs> no so there's a you know you can even see this in the switch from you know i i'm sure some of our listeners have heard of davos man and davos man is basically exactly what you'd expect you know a jet setting you mm. know business type but davos itself has tried to rebrand as like a davos for the people kind of thing mm-hmm. and 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 has brought a sort of particular brand of populism you know grown from davos uh, to the world in, in this sort of like new, uh, you know, populist uh, image that they're trying to create. Of course, I, I don't think people really catch on or care or, you know, if you don't read about this stuff, which, you know, I, 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 you are making the right decision, you wouldn't have noticed. But like, you know, now they're going to do like Davos, not just in Davos, but all over the world. They're going to have their Davos influencers in all these different cities set up like sort of like TEDx style things. In fact, I'm sure with many of the same people. A little side note on that. I found out that uh, a listener sent in a list of Davos fellows, essentially, like the global leadership. And it was great because it was like David Rothschild, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, Mark Zuckerberg, like uh, Pete Buttigieg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) rogues gallery um, but but the Greta thing I think is really important because like Greta wasn't brought to Davos to attack Davos Greta was brought to Davos to be absorbed or not even absorbed to erupt out of Davos so like in in the way I think that you know thats this is a child I'm not talking about I'm sure she's a very fine kid or whatever I, I you know I don't know I don't know her but like the the sort of Greta effect is, is what I'm talking about here, was on purpose. And it really, it really, uh, you know, I hate to use this word twice, but it's very synergistic with this whole stakeholder capitalism uh, pablum.
0: Yeah, I think too, like, I mean, people may have even heard that term from Elizabeth Warren, because she's, mm-hmm. she's definitely, I mean, I think one of her plans and everyone knows how we feel about her on the podcast, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. like one of her plans was like getting, you know, corporate governance and you know stakeholder. I think I think she even said stakeholder capitalism. Like we're she gonna get, indeed. you know, these people to pay their share and do their part and all this shit. And it's because, um, I you know I don't think that it's a coincidence that a lot of kind of. Progressive liberals really responded to that, right? And I think that's no. kind of what we're getting at is that, like the calls are coming from inside the house. If you know what I'm saying,
1: absolutely. Like you have this, you know, this supposed uh, iconoclast, Elizabeth Warren, or at least like <laughs> anti-big business uh, warrior, Elizabeth Warren, agreeing with with the business roundtable, which is the world's, I think, largest CEO group and like one of our most influential business lobbies. Uh, they embrace the exact same thing as as Elizabeth Warren, which is stakeholder capitalism. And, and Liz, I know, you know, you've been doing your Jamie Dimon impression at, at various uh, stand-up nights around the country for years now, but we're going to have to bust out of retirement and get you to read this quote from one of, uh, possibly, hopefully a future cabinet member of Joe Biden.
0: Oh my God. I don't think there's any way that he will be in the cabinet. Yeah, but I don't think so either. The American dream is alive, but fraying.
1: Sammy sounds like the watchman
0: major employers are investing in their workers and communities because they know it is the only way to be successful over the long term these modernized principles reflect the business community's unwavering commitment to continue to push for an economy that serves all
1: Americans
0: so that's actually really interesting because um, major employers are investing in their workers and communities so You know, it's like a truism that with, there's kind of an oxymoron with organized labor pressure on capital, right? Where that Mm -hmm. capital kind of then, you know, labor um, gets, uh, you know, increased benefits or like they can get an increased share over Mm -hmm. what you would kind of, you know, vaguely call the means of production. They get an increased share over their labor time, etc. But um, capital kind of reorganizes, is then and then is able to kind of um, exploit them in different ways and grow in different ways, right? Yeah. And investment actually ends up kind of so it's this kind of you know dialectic relationship, right? So for Diamond to say that employers are investing in their workers and communities because they know it's the only way to be successful or long term, like what I'm saying is that like tech like. Traditionally, capital does those things for labor because they know it's the only way for it to continue with its uh, boot semi on the neck of labor by giving these concessions, right? There is no organized labor movement um, uh, pushing capital right now, right?
1: Well, I mean, that's kind of our whole point is that there's no opposition to basically any of this stuff in any organized way.
0: No, but my point is like, so if capital is making these changes to kind of like, uh retain legitimacy amongst like people and like kind of retain you know what they have to kind of secure their success over the long term if we we're to take him at his word, which by the way, okay, whatever, I mean, look, I'm just you know this is a for instance, we're just talking, we're rapping. Mm-hmm. Then it's a real question of then why is capital so shaky and why is it on such like, you know, shaky grounds if it isn't actually being pushed by labor, if it isn't actually being pushed by concessions, like where where is it kind of finding itself weak, where it does need to kind of offer up whatever these concessions are in order to kind of legitimate itself and secure its, you know, long term profit goals. Anyway, that's just like a little thought I had.
1: Well yeah, I mean it's it's astounding how like you know, this is like a, you know, Business Roundtable, I'm sure some of you've heard of, but it's a pretty big group mm. and all but 12 of the CEOs that are members of it signed on to this letter wholeheartedly endorsing stakeholder capitalism uh last I think this is in 2019 and it caused somewhat of a like a hubbub in the business press. Uh, a lot of it was skeptical. A lot of it not so skeptical in the case of like the Washington Post for example. Uh and, and I do think, though, like, you know, everything they're doing makes perfect sense. I mean, it, it has been astounding to sort of like, like Liz was saying earlier, watch people turn to these corporations where government has basically abandoned them. And and I mean, I, I know not only us, but every podcaster on Earth has, has quoted this survey a bunch. But, you know, the company or excuse me, the institution with the highest uh, trust level in it by by Democrats is Amazon right yeah and so like it's it's <laughs> i mean this this stuff is is only going to kind of get more Little prime uh, piggies i mean i i think you know i i was i was in los angeles not too long ago and i was walking down the street and i saw this fucking billboard that it was like if you're racist don't take uber and like you know to what? me that's just such an astounding yeah if you're <laughs> if you're racist like delete uber it's just something like that and of course like to me you know just to you know, average schmuck on the street. I think this is fucking crazy, right? Like, I'm looking at this. Ins- I mean, th- you know, this is at the same time this company is about to pass basically a slave labor law mm. in, in California, Prop 22. And, and you know, it's, it, but, 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 but this all makes a perfect sense within its own logic, right? And like, it, it, it really is, you know, it's a way it's, it, and I, I, you know, I said this before in the episode, but like, it really goes along perfectly with sort of this like semi. Almost only semi-politicized, like populist movement against big business that we saw, like kind of come out with with um, with Occupy, mm. and because what it really is is like this this like left or whatever you want to call it movement, but without actual like labor involvement, right? And, you right, know, right. It, it, labor's got believe me, I mean organized labor in, in America is. A Fucking nightmare, (laughs) you know, like it's I don't even get me started for the most part It is it is essentially like a lot of these unions are basically government institutions I mean in the case of the CIA literally government institutions sometimes Uh, But it has been like AFL. cio exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah (laughs) I mean, it's it's I mean boy, you know, you think I'm kidding but really look into what they were doing in the 70s and 80s Look at Lovestone. I mean, you know, it's like this shit, you know, it was out of control, but uh but like it's it, it makes perfect sense because there isn't actually any real opposition to any of this stuff there's only demands that people can make and then the corporations actually can fulfill these demands by doing stuff like this by saying if you're racist delete uber that actually is fulfilling a demand whether they know it or not by a lot of these like this sort of like nascent movement or not even nascent anymore well,
0: yeah because i mean i think what what's being unsaid here and what needs to be answered is that because who is making the demands exactly and you know i think that conversation makes a lot of people uncomfortable
1: well it's demands for social responsibility in mm-hmm. a lot of in the final analysis for in a lot of cases it's demands for social responsibility guess what these companies can answer those demands yeah. there are certain demands that they cannot answer but the, the, these ones they absolutely can um, Anyways, yeah, that's just I, I you know, I've just been I've been I've been uh, thinking about this stuff a lot.
0: So I also want to, you know, when we were reading through the stakeholder capitalism shtick that he was going off of, um, I was like reading one of the Davos papers. They have so many fucking papers. Too many papers. Mm -hmm. And they linked to um, like one of their like anniversary, like it was like their anniversary in 2010, I think, Mm -hmm. or 2012. I can't remember when. And so they like built... You know, ha- like, uh, wrote this huge document of like all oh, their meeting notes from all the years or whatever. I didn't read that. Mm-hmm. But I read the manifesto that they wrote, which was like they're um, like looking toward, you know, the next 20 years, I think, yes. or something. And there's just a couple things I want to read here because I think that they um, can help us get to um, kind of like the like crux, kernels underneath.
1: Crux. No, say crocs
0: the crux yes the crux the crux oh that got a little like asmr sorry guys <laughs> um okay this thing is long so i'm not gonna read like all of it but just a couple paragraphs no it's uh, okay i'll look
1: at my phone <laughs> <laughs>
0: Decades of economic development, integration of product and service markets, cross border travel and new technologies enabling virtual interaction have created a world that is much more complex and bottom up than top down. Uh, okay the world has become not only more economically and environmentally interdependent but also more interwoven in a socio-political sense people around the globe increasingly perceive their interdependence and seek ways to express it outside of formal national political structures Hmm. they have become more aware that global problems require global trusteeship and that efforts to solve problems slowly through traditional negotiating processes characterized by the defense of national interests are inadequate in the face of critical global challenges. So basically, I just to pause here what the what Davos I'm just gonna say Davos that's, yeah, Davos man. which way Davos man? <laughs> um, what Davos is saying here is that um, the kind of multilateral internationalist and i don't mean that in the socialist uh way but like internationalist uh vision for global um like uh relations and negotiations between nations is like no longer viable because of how interconnected the world is so like the kind of like the un model if even is like no longer like we've moved past this um and so what they're proposing is actually a new kind of model that i think i mean or, or it's if you kind of read between the lines what they're saying is that we're outgrowing the need for the nation state in nego- mm-hmm. in negotiating popular national interests against other popular national interests and that what kind of the because we are all so interconnected and because my actions influence your like uh, end up, you know, impacting your actions and someone else, you know, butterfly effects everywhere, right? Uh-huh. That what is required is, you know, he uses the word trusteeship, but, like, basically, um, you know, a a a trustee group, a board of supervisors,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, you know, enlightened elders, similar to kind of the structure that you would see, uh, I think, with the... Uh, Eurozone right yeah um and the council European Council, which is you know famously one of the most transparent organizations
1: <laughs> oh absolutely I, I you know I have a better idea imagine if we sort of solved global con conflicts like this, say I am in Riyadh right I'm mm. a Saudi businessman, maybe I'm not married maybe maybe I am and and I find and i find a woman on the internet on instagram and i message her and i say come to riyadh sweetie Mm. and she was like well actually my town um has no highway because the government let it collapse because the the, the, trump just made up the infrastructure bill he never actually did it and i was like sweetheart do not worry i own literally a hundred thousand slaves i will send them right down there to southern new jersey and they will build you a highway and you all you have to do is have sex with me and she says yes and bam there we go it's like we we get government out of out of the, all the red <laughs> tape's gone you know it's like just people <laughs> to people right there
0: well if people listen to our Koch brothers episode part two we talked about that that that's this is all the same dream right mm-hmm. this is the the complete uh abolition we'll say of the nation state and of the government and just having insurance bodies mediate conflict between individuals,
1: right? Well, that's the thing that drives me so fucking crazy, baby, is because the only real defense against this that it seems like that that exists right now that isn't just something I want to happen is the nation state. Mm, And that is. is like, that's a hard thing to fucking grapple with, right? You know, it's like, it's it's the like the only thing that can sort of like fight against and you know believe me I know how this sounds these international interests is national interests and like you know obviously I don't think such a thing like that is possible in America for instance because I think America is basically the center of a lot of this stuff um, but like in, you know certainly in smaller nations like you know it's 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 really wild because that actually like. That's essentially like a war between two things that have no nothing really to do on the immediate level with with workers, although it I will be honest with you, the national uh i guess interest probably is better at protecting the workers than than this is, but like at the end of the day it's 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 just a really depressing fucking binary there,
0: yeah, he continues i mean I really want to get i mean I really want to hammer this home, so I'm just going to read a little bit more if you don't mind. Mm-hmm nation states and intergovernmental structures will continue to play a central role in global decision making however it's a big however those institutions must be adapted to today's needs and conditions if they want to preserve their use and indeed their legitimacy sounds like a little bit of a threat they must begin by more clearly conceiving of themselves as just a part of the wider global cooperation system that the world needs in fact they should work explicitly to cultivate such a system by anchoring the preparation and implementation of their decisions more deeply in the processes of interaction with interdisciplinary and multi-stakeholder networks of relevant experts and actors this will help them transcend the silo and reactive thinking that are an acknowledged weakness of the formal multilateral system it will also help improve the information upon which decisions are based okay so let's break that down
1: <laughs> let's break it down baby
0: <laughs> so what davos is saying here is mm-hmm. that if then and it does sound like a threat i'm not gonna lie even though i as far as i know they don't have an army um is that if the nation state wants to remain a viable structure, a legitimate structure, nation states are going to have to also uh, basically, you know, not just, um, you know, cede a lot of their kind of formal structure to this kind of internationalist like council of, uh, you know, global technocrats or whatever this is that they're kind of envisioning, you know, what it will be will be like a bunch of Jamie Dimons and capital managers, right. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, basically hand over what's left of the popular institutions to what they call relevant experts and actors as interdisciplinary and multi stakeholder networks. So like, when when I read this, by the way, it's like this is straight out of like, McKinsey
1: management
0: stuff like this is saying like okay well these portions of the state actually will be more efficient and better managed if they're handed over to these kind of private expert yeah uh technicians i was about to say
1: yeah technicians is is exactly the word there
0: um and i don't think i mean again i you know just to like hark back to the Koch brothers episode like And what you were just saying about the nation state being like maybe the last possible and maybe the only possible. I mean, it is the only successful one in history, right, vehicle for, um, you know, not just like social democracy, but beyond that, that we've kind of come across. Right. Um, But that, like, you know, (laughs) the nation state is a hindrance to what these people want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so it needs to be abolished. (laughs) That's what they want to do,
1: right? I mean, it's or it it, rather it seems like it needs to be just shunted aside, right? Like, because I don't think that they have yet an alternative political system for domestic affairs in any of these places, but certainly for international relations and, and, and really for the global governance structure i mean absolutely that's 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 what they're saying right here and 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 increasingly i think for domestic political and and social um uh i guess needs to be met it would also be from these companies and from these institutions that they create i mean i don't think this is a, again like an overnight thing i don't think that you know men in davos davos men in you know black ski masks with uh with uh, MP5s are going to go to your you know, local TV station and take it over and declare da- the Davos regime is in charge. But like, you know, this is, I mean, this is an astute sort of um, prediction of where things are going by the people who are not just making predictions, but by the people who are making those predictions come true in the first place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, this just sounds like a world uh, EU. I mean, Uh because you can look at I mean, I guess what I say when I say like they want to abolish the nation state is like, look at what the EU has done, which is that like popular sovereignty, popular national sovereignty is gone, not just through the shared currency, which, you know, is one thing, but also like, I mean, the states are now kind of they've become shells of offering whatever, you know, they had post world, you know, post war. Yeah. And it, you know, like for like we were talking about France. The other when we were just talking with um Robbie and Abby Martin, like France is a complete is like a police state now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: all capital flows are really just managed through, you know, these EU trade deals. These you know, these trade deals and th- that there's no national interest in any of them. You know well, what I it's, mean? It, it's all it's from like-
1: I can't remember if it was Italy or Greece, but one of those uh, two beautiful countries. I'm sure I've never been in Italy, but you know, looks beautiful. Um, like they can't even, you know, they, they 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 don't even make their olive oil from their own olives. It's yeah. it's actually olives like imported from from the other one. I can't remember which. Uh, and it's 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 just like that all over. And it's like you know, it's it's just sort of astounding to see how all this is being managed now. And you know, my whole thing is like. You know, I think the economy's fake. Like, I don't think it's, it's like a, it's all this financial stuff. It's just like, it's just made up to me, but like, it's really astounding, like, just like I don't know, It like this new structure that they're talking about is coming to place. And I think a lot of people are almost not gonna miss it, maybe, but it's not gonna come, like I wanna stress that, it's not gonna come in like an intergovernmental body called the World Economic Forum that has like machine guns at the borders or anything like that. It's gonna come just because that's that's the way that these companies, and that's the way that these institutions are pushing history. And it's not gonna be overnight, but it's gonna come, or it might come.
0: So uh, I want to just end this real quick with one last one, which really made me laugh. This, little, mm-hmm. this is going to end it on a good note. <laughs> this, like, I, I read this and I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the World Economic Forum can make a unique contribution to society at this crucial time. Under the patronage of the governments of Qatar, Singapore, and Switzerland. There we go. (laughs) The forum has been leading an unprecedented global multi-stakeholder and multimedia dialogue since 2009 for the purpose of developing a modern vision of global cooperation. Yeah, talk about, uh, oof, Qatar, Singapore, and Switzerland. I'm so fucking happy to be under. Some of the most free countries in the world. Yeah, talk about, um, you know, stewardship.
1: Well, I think Qatar really just like sums up what stakeholder capitalism is all about. Uh, You know, there are capitalists and then there are people who are forced uh, for no money and to have their passports taken to hold stakes and pound them into the desert Mm. in order to build a football stadium where like hundreds of their co-workers will be buried underneath (laughs) uh, after being sold as slave labor to the government by their own government because uh, they're too poor to live in the Philippines.
0: Switzerland also, it's like, I mean, talk about like a neoliberal experiment.
1: In invented peoples.
0: It is, that place is crazy. You know, I read something, there was like a Swiss, I think it was like Swiss health official came out and said that like people who don't believe in COVID, that we, what we need to do is create a registry of people who, who like don't wear masks, they'll get tickets and they'll be put on a registry or people who don't believe in COVID. And that if they get COVID, they're denied a hospital bed. Because Incredible. there needs to be punishment for those who are anti-science. That's literally what like you said.
1: Switzerland is fake. It should just be, well, I'll tell you this, it's not a real country. That is not, a,
0: it's not, no, it was just for the bankers.
1: Mm-hmm. It's created for the bankers it's the it's uh the bankers israel and do not read into that (laughs) I just that sounded weird (laughs) after it came out it didn't mean that in a weird way (laughs) i just meant that it's like a fake country oh my god i'm just kidding well no i'm not but i didn't mean it in a bad way (laughs) well wait i did but not in like a fucked up way
0: I don't think I mean I hope that wasn't as depressing
1: no I I have some pretty good news too so I actually have a credit chip for a new pod and yeah uh, they're upgrading the pod system here in San Francisco and I am getting an 8x12 pod which I don't know I feel like that's pretty cool Uh, it has a window it's like a well it's like a 4k kind of window thing that shows scenes from the outside but like I'm I'm really excited about it.
0: Did you, you know the whole dumbass. thing? Do you know the whole thing about people calling their like COVID buddies their pod? No. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. This yeah, never yeah. caught on
0: for me. I never heard it until like I read about it on the internet.
1: No, you know what I call my COVID buddies? What? The human race. <laughs> That's right,
0: baby. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm a super. You're a spreader. man
0: of the people.
1: I'm a super spreader. I got no shame in it. <laughs>
0: I just had a, like, horrible vision of, like, someone in one of the pods that are coming, Mm -hmm. being, like, Instagramming, like, pod in from the pod.
1: (laughs) Well, they actually, San Francisco does pioneer it. I mean, we do literally have pod living. I know. It's, yeah.
0: That's come in everywhere.
1: I will say, though, those people are fucking suckers. Because they're paying, like, $1,500, which will get you a bedroom. Like, you can find a bedroom for $1,500. They're paying $1,500 to live in a bunk bed. With like a TV that comes out on a swivel, and mm. uh, for some reason there's always people playing acoustic guitar. And like I'm sure that doesn't actually happen in real life because these people are all like one like hundred percent noise canceling headphones on, watching uh, Emily from Paris like on their fucking laptop every night.
0: <laughs> did you watch
1: that? No, no, I, I no I haven't. But uh How, why did I, you
0: reference it? How did you know to reference it if you haven't watched it?
1: Because I heard a lady talking about it when I was on a walk the other day. I was walking behind these two women in the park, not in a weird way. uh, And they were describing excitedly the plot of Emily. I I know the plot of- What's the plot? Will you you tell us? Okay, uh, from my memory. (laughs) um, Some woman gets pregnant and she's only like 30 or something. I don't know, they kept talking about like why this, anyways, some lady gets pregnant and she can't go to Paris for work. And so she gets this even younger lady to go to Paris for her. And once this lady gets to Paris, she does a bunch of stuff there. Uh, I think it's a fashion thing. And uh, maybe falls in love. Maybe falls in love a couple of times. And, uh, and, and overall, it's the experience of Emily in Paris.
0: I think that was very good. Have you seen Emily in Paris? I watched like two episodes with my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were aghast at how terrible it was, but then we oh. couldn't stop watching.
1: Yeah. 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 Which man, I think I there's just like it. a
0: new, it's like a new form of, of show that's emerged with the, like, you know, they just have to like, you know, churn out so much content, <laughs> whatever, mm-hmm. where it's a show that's like, it's not even supposed to be good. And it's almost good that it's, it's not good, bad or bad, good, but it's like, it's terrible and it's so terrible that you have to keep watching it
1: yeah, yeah i don't know yeah. how to
0: describe it
1: um my dad i talked to my dad earlier for the, like the first time in like a month and he told me that the hulu show with the fake me in it is out <laughs> and i guess the guy says <laughs> something f- yeah he's like i watched the show that you're in <gasps> oh, they like no. uh, i guess the guy like he's like the dude like is uh oh
0: papa brace
1: i know but uh i guess the guy says it's it is me like he says it's like some like like moron like in glasses from america who's like uh you're like on
0: some fucking casting director's mood board like you
1: i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'll tell you what i'm gonna do because the real brace real brace ain't afraid of any hollywood type people the real brace is gonna go down there. gonna go down to north hollywood no hollywood Real brace is going to take a Glock 40 and he's going to shove it in some fucking real CrossFit motherfucker. I'm sure this guy's in great shape. I'm sure he's in great shape. And I'm gonna take this thing and I'm gonna shove it so hard in his mouth, his front teeth are gonna break off. And then I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna hold it. I, I know if you were, listeners can't see it, but I'm gonna hold it by the bottom, by the, by the, by the, magazine, and I'm gonna jam it like a like a like those fucking bump stocks that Trump made illegal and I'm gonna jam it back and forth, jam it back and forth, and I'm gonna rapid fire and just poof, right in front of his wife and kids just playing y'all you know I'm just playing <laughs> you know I love TV Hulu baby
0: all right well on that note uh, I'm Liz
1: I am Harvey Weinstein we have as our producer young Chomsky and this podcast is true we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>
0: Just Jeff, Jeff, Jeffery.